So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. Hi guys, just a quick heads up that I'm changing up the format of the podcast for a few episodes. I've been getting so much inquiry from young adults who are deeply frustrated with a lot of aspects of wealth building in today's environment. So I have invited my good friend, Ken Huang, who is a millennial, to come join me to have some candid conversation about what's happening today and really kind of share lessons and uh, experiences that I've had along the way that I hope will be helpful to you. Please enjoy these wide ranging and uncensored conversations. Selena, you shared this particular topic with me earlier in the week when we were talking about it, and it's this concept of FU number. And I thought, what do you mean by a fuck you number? But I don't actually think that's what it means. Um, so you do clarify it for me. And it's actually the financially, oh, sorry, I'll say that again. It's a financially unshackled number. So today's topic on the podcast I would love for you to actually share a little bit about what this number is, why you should calculate it, and then maybe give us some examples of like why this number is actually quite important. So firstly, financially unshackled number. I can't even say this, num this name properly, but uh, no. what is it? And, and if you can define it a little bit for everyone to hear. So I think financially unshackled was someone's attempt at putting a clean brush over what has long been known as a fuck you number. And essentially the idea behind it is that you get to this point where you can tell your boss and the people you don't care about, like, <laughs> screw you, I'm out of here. I'm just going to live life on my terms. So it's become really popular and everybody loves the idea of just being able to kind of find this point in time where they just go, see ya. And just they, they go out and they do what they want to do. So that's where it comes from. But I'm okay just saying F you, whichever way you want to take it. All right. So what is it? I mean, if you can define a little bit what this number is all about. I'm interpreting it as like you said, you're going, okay, well, I'm reading it as like you've figured out a way to make enough money or you've got enough passive income to support yourself so that you don't have to work. You can say F you to everyone and just live the life that you want. But how how is it that you get to that number? So maybe a calculation, for example, what does it take to, to figure out what that number is? So an FU number in technical terms is where the income that is being generated by your assets is greater than what it costs you to live. That's it. So net, point net in time, number. Yeah. Yep. So after all your expenses, when the income coming off your asset base is more than it costs you to live, that is technically when you have hit your FU number. Okay. Got it. So how does one calculate their FU number? So one of the things I think is a big mistake is that people focus on, I need to get to this amount of net worth in order to be financially independent. And that, that'll be when I have my FU number. But unless your whole game plan is just to accumulate this pool of assets or money and then slowly spend it down, down, down till you get back to zero, it's a shit strategy. I think a better strategy is how do I build this pool of assets that's throwing off income so that I never have to sell down my asset base. I never have to eat the cow and therefore that is going to be preserved for infinity. So in terms of like what that FU number is for different people, 
is going to be completely dependent on how they think their life should be run. So you've got everything from your FIRE community, your financial independence retire early community where maybe they're singles or, you know, young families, um, they're not, they're trying to live off very little. Maybe they're compromising their living arrangements, but they, their number one priority, their highest value is just get me the hell out of the workforce. That is their number one priority. When you've got people in that camp, their FU number could be really small. It could be 30,000, 40,000, 50,000. Like it's, it's a small number because their highest value is I just want to be out. I want to unplug from the matrix. I want to live independently. And I don't need all the frills and luxuries that go with, you know, international travel and living in great suburbs and great houses and things like that. Then you've got the other end of the spectrum, which is your typical traditional retirees who have this vision for what retirement looks like for them or their FU number is that point in time where they can maintain quite a luxurious lifestyle. So they may have six figure plus. Um, their income in retirement is all about, you know, the international holidays, being able to maintain a, a home that they really love. And so for them, their highest value is the maintenance of a certain level of luxury in their world. And so you've got everything in between as well. So F you, um, from a practical viewpoint could mean very different things. Like me personally, I love the concept of the fire movement. But I, there's no freaking way I could live off $40,000 a year. I mean, sorry, I could if I, if I absolutely had to, but it would be hard. And it's not because I'm extravagant. You wouldn't enjoy it. You know, I want to be able to support my community. I want to be able to help others. And I couldn't do that. Like I would basically be barely fitting my own oxygen mask. So if I want to have impact in terms of, you know, financially supporting charities I care about or anything, I, I couldn't do any of that. So for me, the FIRE community is a fantastic idea, but not for me. So I had my head in the FIRE world for a little while just to understand how it worked. And there was this concept of figuring out how much you need to live, which is what you're saying. Let's just say, let's pluck a number out. Let's just say it's $60,000 a year, right? And the way they would figure it out, and a lot of them were from my understanding, like say pro shares or something that was spitting off dividends or some sort of passive income. And the way they calculated was, right, if I needed to earn $60,000 a year, then I need to figure out, well, if my portfolio of assets, in this case shares, was spitting out an average of 7% every single year in dividends, then it would just be 60,000 divided by the 7%. And then that would be how much your portfolio or your investment asset worth, uh, sorry, your, your portfolio net worth was supposed to be. The trouble with that is, as you said, which is, you know, you've got these concepts of like fat fire, skinny fire, and, you know, like that's that sort of spectrum, I guess. But I think the common concept of like your classic version of fire is like you just at all costs, you know, like very, very rarely go out, you know, you know, be very, very frugal and skimp on basically every single possibility to get you to that result as fast as possible. And I think in theory, that sounds great, but as a sustainability thing, um, it didn't reconcile either with me as to whether or not I could achieve that because I was like, you still want to enjoy life. And I sort of think about like, I mean, like uh, I say, like there's no guarantees tomorrow. You can either get hit by a bus, but the probability is that you will live a long and healthy life. And so that's what people sort of basically rely on. But I think there's some pragmatism about getting that balance right, which is to go, maybe you can achieve and get maybe a passive income, which is an FU number of something that's a bit more palatable and a little bit more reasonable. And then the question is like, well, what's the methodology to getting there? And so we're sort of 
broadening out that sort of question, which is, well, now that we know how to sort of potentially work out that FU number, it's like, what do you do? How do you, how do you get there? Because I'm thinking about Gen Z's who are like, there is no freaking way I'm going to try and work like a dog until I'm like 65, 70, 75 so that I can enjoy the last decade of my life if I even manage to get there. And then you've got like this new generation, which is like, well, I don't want to be working for the rest of my life. And so I'm going to do it all costs, which is the five movement of like getting out by the time I'm like 30 or 35, you know, that's sort of the timeline for the average five person. But maybe there's something in the middle. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that as to like what that is. I think we can talk a little bit about like, what do you need to do to find the, your number? Um, but I think it is really important and you've touched on this to recognize that it's a spectrum and there are trade-offs at both ends of the spectrum. So if you think about what happens if you pick a number and it's too low, and this is happening a lot inside of the fire movement. People are finding they actually do have to go back to work because they the number they picked was too low. And the problems are that you've got minimal margin for error. So let's say you pick a number and then the economic climate changes or there's inflation and suddenly that number's not enough. You can find yourself, you know, falling short and, and maybe you've been out of the workforce for a bit of time. So maybe you're not as employable as you were. Um, you've got limited financial flexibility because you have to have a more frugal lifestyle. So, you know, life happens, things come up. What if you start this process and you're single and you're footloose and fancy free and then suddenly you've got a partner or you've got a child and, you know, that number changes. There's the risk of underestimating expenses or being able to cope with the unexpected. You're relying on this minimalist lifestyle, which you may find becomes less and less palatable. Imagine if you have a health scare, you have unexpected expenses. So the, the point is that there's a lot of downside to underestimating that number. And the other practical aspect, which we haven't even spoken about, is that if you are wanting to get out as quickly as possible, if your FU number is, I just want to get out by the time I'm 30 and this is my number, the scope of investment options that are available to you, if you want to be diversified and if you want to reduce the risk of loss, is limited. You're really limited with what you can do because you've got limited money and limited time. At the other end of the spectrum, if you pick an FU number that is way too big, then you have other problems. It'll take you a much longer period of time to develop that asset base that will give you that standard of life. You have the risk of overspending and then depleting your nest egg too quickly. You are highly dependent on certain levels of investment returns. And so the problem is if there's a, a black swan event or something happens like a COVID and then your retirement nest egg is suddenly depleted, like you can be in really hot water. So a fat fire, as you call it, meaning you have a, a fairly inflated number that you have in your mind that you need, um, requires higher levels of savings and higher levels of investing. So there's, there's definitely pros and cons at, at both ends of the spectrum. So the real question here is, well, how do you figure out your FU number? And I think there's probably three big questions that you can ask to, to get yourself going. One is, what do I need today? Because you kind of got to have a benchmark. And to be perfectly frank, a lot of people don't even know what it costs them to run their lifestyle today. The second question is, what would I do if I wasn't working? And I know that seems like a really dumb question, but for a lot of people, financial independence isn't about stopping work. It's not an F you to the workforce. It's about having the freedom to choose you know, how you work, when you work, the impact that you want to have. So that is actually a really important question to answer is what would you do if you weren't working in the job that you're in right now? And then the third question to ask yourself is if things change, will this be enough? Do I have enough buffer in place? Is there a little bit of a cushion there so that if things go south, I'll, I would be okay? So those are the three questions. And I think if you really sat down and, and went deep on those three questions, 
you could end up finding a meaningful number for you. The FIRE movement is all about pick the timeline that you want and the and how much you need at a minimum and then calculating, well, this is how much capital we need. I'm actually saying net worth in itself is not always the, the only metric to focus on. You're thinking about what quality of life do I want? What are the things that really matter to me? You might think you hate your job, but you actually have this other high value over here, which is you like travel or whatever it ends up being. But those three questions should give you enough insight to find a starting point. You were saying that about sort of like the traditional five movement as well. I was, it's a weird sort of correlation, but you know those people who are always like chronically late, like they just they can't help it and they're always like never on time. Yeah. And I remember reading somewhere, and I don't know how true this is, but people say these people are like eternal optimists. They always think they have more time and there's there's enough time, like I'll get there. And then they forget about traffic. They forget about the fact that maybe they forgot their keys. They maybe forget about something that might go wrong, right? And I think that five movement, sometimes the theory of it is that sort of eternal optimist, which is to say nothing will ever go wrong. If all numbers stack up and all these things sort of hit their marks, then we'll be fine. But the reality of life is that nothing ever really 100% goes to plan. And so you do need to make sure you have those buffers. And maybe the classic example, at least here in Australia, and I'm sure the rest of the world can relate is like interest rates. You don't know if those rates are going to be going up, they're going to be going down. I remember one of the concerns around even this, um, even the five movement was like for those who are in shares, if like you have a black swan event like COVID or you have, you know, I don't know, like an, another global financial crisis, the value of your portfolio literally can, you know, fold in half, if not a quarter, if not even worse. Right. And so if you're relying on a percentage of the overall value of that portfolio, then you're screwed. You either go back to work or you got to find another means to actually generate income. So I think always having that healthy buffer in that for a rainy day is really crucial here. I think the concept makes sense, but I think the execution of that and knowing your own number is like you said, the key to understanding that. And maybe there's sort of like a, a buffer, percentage buffer, or a, sort of like a standard empirical rule you apply to it. But the idea is that if you've calculated and you've gone, this is how much it costs me to live my life and this is how much I need to earn, I wouldn't choose just that exact number. I'd add a little bit more on top of it and maybe even a healthy amount because if things then go wrong, you've still got that sort of buffer to cushion you. Otherwise, you're in real trouble. Let me ask you another question just out of interest. Imagine that you had an FU number of 100,000. Let's just randomly pick that. If you had $100,000 coming in from your investments, you'd be golden. And let's say you've you've done the hard yards and you're at 50. The question I have to ask you is what compromises would you make to your lifestyle today, if at all? You're not all the way there, but does it afford you to go, look, I don't have to work 60 hours a week anymore. I can actually take a day a week off or two days a week off. I, I think that the point I make, and I'd love to hear your response, the point I'm making is people set these goals and then they don't make any compromises to their life until they hit that goal. When in actual fact, it, it could be a bit of a, the F -U, it could be a slow F you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think about that actually a fair bit, which is, you know, right now I've invested in a commercial property. You know, my, my, I rent it back to, you know, my own business who pays that, that rent. And I think, well, if the business is, you know, sort of either we move to a bigger place because we've outgrown it or, you know, I shut down the business, I sell the business, whatever. It's like I can still um, generate income from that. Okay. From that asset. Uh, same thing with say, you know, if you got an investment property and things like that. And, and I think about the fact that even if you don't hit that magical FU number, if you can even get a percentage of the way in, 
what that does give me, this is how I'm sort of interpreting it, is additional choice or elasticity in the way that I can live my life, which is to say that if I decide to maybe pull back a little bit in terms of growing the business or not spending as much time in it, and I want to spend time with my family, you know, I want to go on a holiday or take an extended time off, I can do that because knowing that I'm not entirely or not all my eggs are actually in that one basket as well of like say my business or my earning potential. So for the average person, you know, it'd be a massive difference. Like say you're earning 100, 150K a year salary and then all of a sudden you can earn passively $50,000, $75,000, which is half your income. It'd make a huge difference, right? You say that, Ken, but I, the reason I ask the question is I have coached so many high income earners who are a good portion of the way towards their goals and refuse to make any compromise on their lifestyle. And they say, oh, my highest value is spending time with my kids or my highest value is the impact that I have in my community and family. And yet their behavior is completely incongruent with that. And so I think it's really important. And, and the other extreme is I have people who come and say, Selena, my FU number is half a million bucks. And I say, really, it's going to take you half a million bucks to get to the point where you feel you can live independently. And that's your FU number. And they say, yes. And I ask them, what are you living on now? And they say, oh, 100, 120. And so there's a discrepancy between their dream FU number and the reality of where their life is actually, you know, right now. And that's why it's really important. Like an FU number is not meant to be some pie. Like I think some people set these pie in the sky expectations knowing they'll never reach it. And that does terrible things to your psyche as well. So the FU number has to be realistic, has to be real. I totally agree. I think there seems to be people just go for the extremes. It's either really low or really high and they don't play in the middle because maybe middle is just boring. I don't know why people interpret it that way, but it's just within reason and what is realistic and not sure. I actually personally am not sure. Maybe, you know, you and I think a little bit differently about this and we're just talking in echo chamber at the moment. But <laughs> the other thing I think about is also, and, and conscious, you know, we're sort of wrapping up here, but I think about the facts like, what would I do if I was financially free? Would I do anything different? The answer is I'd probably still be working. I just wouldn't be working as hard and I wouldn't have that pressure on my back to know that this is my only source of income or I'm relying heavily on this because I've got the, you know, I guess I've got the fallback or the safety net of my passive income to do that. Um, but I think it's the psychological aspect of having freedom of choice that actually makes a huge difference as well. I think people don't give them that. People don't empower themselves to understand that. And they seem to still be in this psyche that I've got to still put my head down and continue to work. Yeah, look, let, let me round this out by saying your FU number is the income that would give you the freedom to choose. The yep. freedom to choose. Absolutely. All right. I think uh, there was a lot of meandering thoughts. <laughs> um, and I think there's no right single right strategy. I think it's just, it's the it's the number that's right for you or the strategy that's right for you as well. So people have to go away and actually think about that. So I appreciate you sharing that, Selena. No, that was fun. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to incosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.